Thanks for listening to the First Take podcast. In this episode, we discuss the expert view on new heart failure data for Eli Lilly and Boehringer Ingelheim's Jardiance, look at Biogen's deal to in-license a Chinese-developed BTK inhibitor, which is in early-stage testing for multiple sclerosis, and talk about Eli Lilly's bid to upgrade first-generation KRAS inhibitors for the treatment of cancer. Okay, Michael, I'd like to kick off today um, talk, to talk a little bit more about um, Jardiance um, for the treatment of heart failure. We sort of touched on this in last week's podcast. Um, Eli Lilly and Bo Ringer, who um, co-market the drug, announced um, a couple of weeks ago uh, that in a, a phase three study for heart failure with preserved ejection fraction, which is typically the harder to treat form of heart failure, that Jardiance had met its primary endpoint. Um, and those data are going to be presented in full at the European Society of Cardiology meeting uh, next month. But I know that you spoke to a key opinion leader um, earlier this week. And I just wondered if you could give us a bit of a summary um, in terms of, of what they were thinking and what their expect, expectations are ahead of that full data being presented next month. Yeah. I think the the main takeaway is that uh, the KOL I spoke with is very excited, very encouraged by what you know what he's seen so far from the Emperor preserved trial of Jardiance. And again, they have not presented the data, so we don't know how effective it's going to be. And that's going to be the key, really, when they do present the data. So he suggested, you know, if we see something around the 20% to 30% risk reduction um, magnitude of benefit. If you, if you see that, it's going to be, you know, a big hit. And this is going to be adopted widely and quickly. Um, and so, you know, it's, <clears throat> it, this is a huge market. <laughs> so, you know, I think that he really does see this as a breakthrough, a very likely to be a breakthrough. And, um, not perhaps not just for <clears throat> Jardians, perhaps for the SGLT2 class in general, and for patients and physicians, given how hard this um, preserved ejection fraction, you know, population has been to treat. But he thinks that um, the success of Jardians likely suggests that that uh, other SGLT2s, namely Farxiga from AstraZeneca is likely to work as well. It's in phase three testing too. So, you know, that sets up a potential uh, commercial, you know, tug of war between these uh, SGLT2 inhibitors, which are likely to be used more in combination with Entresto instead of being like a competitor for Entresto, um, which was recently the first drug approved for this setting, but it was based on some sort of mixed data. these are basically, it sounds like, going to be used in combination with Entresto in patients who are more closer to the reduced ejection fractions side of the spectrum. Um, and then on the more preserved side, closer to normal, it's going to be just the SGLT2s battling it out. So, you know, that'll come down to access issues and, and that sort of thing. Um, but 
I think most importantly, you know, it's just sort of a breakthrough for this population that really doesn't have very much out there at the moment. And he thinks this was like a key point that he made. He said that he believes that once there's actually some drugs out there for this preserved ejection fraction population, he thinks that population, the, the size of it is going to grow by leaps and bounds because right now there's there's nothing out there so the doctors aren't really looking for it that what you know that much there's not very accurate ways of identifying patients but if there's an incentive of a drug you know that'll that'll really drive the way clinicians um, look at and look for patients and it'll probably uh, greatly expand the market period so this could be a a big breakthrough, not just for patients and clinicians, but uh, you know the drug companies as well. Okay, great. Well, we'll obviously be keeping an eye on that meeting um, at the end of August when when I think that data is going to be presented. That's definitely going to be interesting to watch. Uh, one of the other things I wanted to sort of highlight from this week's news um, is a deal that Biogen um, announced to in license um, a, a drug called Orelabrutinib. Uh, from the Chinese biotech company Innocare Pharma, and Biogen's uh, agreed to pay 125 million up front, and it's to develop this drug, which is a BTK inhibitor, um, for the treatment of relapsing and progressive uh, forms of multiple sclerosis. A um, couple of things that sort of jump out about this deal, um, I guess one thing being that you know, obviously, we've been talking a lot about Biogen recently and its movement into the Alzheimer's disease market, given um, the, you know, following the FDA approval of Aduhelm. But clearly, um, the company still sees a, a, you know, a significant future in the multiple sclerosis space. And also, you know, further evidence of established, uh, you know, multinational Western companies uh, looking to um, domestically developed innovative pharmaceuticals from China. We've seen uh, a number of these types of deals um, play out over the last 12 to 18 months, and this is another one. But I think probably the biggest takeaway here just being that this is sort of further momentum for this uh, class of drugs, the BTK inhibitors, as potential treatments for MS. Um, Michael, obviously, we've sort of seen, in the, you know, in terms of the last couple of years, the MS market has been shaped by... I guess Ocrevus has been the big change, and we've seen that kind of shift away from the the oral drugs, which Bi Biogen has been a dominant player in the oral market um, with its drug Tecfidera. But what we've really seen in the background, um, sort of playing out against Ocrevus coming to the market, is these oral BTK inhibitors. You know, Sanofi and Merck KGAA have really um, sort of led the way and touted this drug class as, as, as potentially very disruptive in MS. And then late last year, we saw um, Roche, um, I guess, sort of being slightly concerned that they were going to lose ground, making the, the really unusual decision to move their own internal BTK inhibitor directly from phase one to phase three clinical studies. So there does seem to be a bit of a race on now um, to, to, to move these drugs uh, to market as quickly as possible. Um, one other thing to note about this deal this week, uh, Biogen actually already had its own um, in-house BTK inhibitor or has its own uh, in-house product in phase one development. 
Um, so this would suggest perhaps by in licensing uh, another asset that maybe they, they perceive this asset as being as being better. They've sort of spoken about its ability to cross the blood brain barrier, um, which could theoretically mean that it's more effective in progressive forms of MS. Uh, but that, to be honest, that's not too dissimilar to, to what uh, the likes of Merck, KGA and Sanofi have said about their own assets. So I think this is going to be um, a really sort of closely watched uh, race over the next couple of years. Um, and clearly Biogen wants to be part of that as well. Um, uh, just wanted to finish off this week. Um, it, it's a really early stage uh, event, but I think it's one that's worth flagging. Um, we noticed on clinicaltrials.gov that Eli Lilly has uh, announced details of its mm -hmm. phase one clinical study for its own KRAS inhibitor. Um, it's currently known as LY35379821. Um, Michael, lots of excitement um, around this drug class, obviously, which is kind of uh, solidified around the approval of Amgen's Lumacras in May. Yeah, exactly. <clears throat> you know, KRAS has been this undruggable target, you know, for years, um, even though it's been known perhaps as one of the first identified uh, driver mutations for cancer. So yeah, the fact that um, essentially Amgen and perhaps the, the second mover Marathi as well um, really showed that, you know, it can be um, addressed with a, with a small molecule drug is, you know, was a, was a watershed moment. And now there are, um, as is, the norm in the pharmaceutical universe, you know, their success has, has bred competition. And, um, you know, I think a lot of groups think that, okay, we, we've seen that Lumacris works, um, but we think we can do better. Um, and not only that, but, you know, we think that we can do, you know, we'll, we'll be the combinations, which will be the next thing, you know, we'll, we'll give companies like Eli Lilly and others developing KRAS inhibitors. Um, an opportunity to, you know, sort of catch up and perhaps even leapfrog the uh, the Amgens and the Maratis of the world, which, you know, they did get the jump on these these other companies. But uh, yeah, so the the start of the Eli Lilly's, um, I guess you call it next generation KRAS inhibitor is is um, is interesting, and we'll see how quickly they can move. I think this is just a, a monotherapy study, but obviously they, oh no, this this will involve combinations, right? It'll yeah. it's not just Monotherapy. Yeah, so I think one of the interesting things about this is the fact that um, they've gone, you know, they've gone immediately with a phase one study, obviously looking at things like dose escalation and and safety, um, but also looking sort of at that early sort of efficacy, both as a as a um, as a monotherapy, but also in combination with with a handful of drugs actually, which includes. Uh, Vizenio, which is Eli Lilly's CDK4-6 inhibitor, and uh, their PD-1 inhibitor, um, Tibet, uh, which is, I think, is awaiting approval in the US at the moment. So yeah, they're kind of, looks like they're setting their stall out early to kind of, um, you know, get as much information as possible in terms of potential combination use, which, yes, I think analysts have said is is one way where the, where the the gap between the front runners like Amgen and Marathi and the competitors that are sort of slightly further back could close up. Um, 
Yeah, I mean, just sort of adding a bit of colour to to what you said, Michael. I mean, I think I think Eli Lilly kind of first let everyone know that they had their own KRAS inhibitor um, back at the AACR meeting in uh, April, where they presented some preclinical data. And there is the kind of suggestion that, uh, you know, it's their product, you know, their asset is possibly more selective and potent than 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 the likes of Amgen and Marathi's KRAS inhibitors. You know, I think Eli Lilly have kind of suggested that, um, you know, those first generation products have got relatively sort of modest activity. If you look at other targeted cancer products, and then I think as well, you know, some analysts have sort of suggested, you know, you can look at products like um, AstraZeneca's uh, Tegriso and actually also AstraZeneca's Cal- Calquence as targeted cancer therapies that have sort of significantly improved on uh, first generation products, uh, you know, that uh, are targeted against, you know, the, the, the same uh, certain types of mutation. So. I think what Eli Lilly is hoping for um, is that they can, um, you know, they can build on that that preclinical data and they can show that their product is is potentially a bit more potent, a bit more selective. Um, as as I mentioned up front, it's it's a very early thing, and we'll probably get the you know the first phase one data next year, but that will give us um, a better idea potentially of how the 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 KRAS market is going to evolve in the longer term.